Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, the city has passed a pair of bills to protect trans health, but it's not clear how much power the city actually has to do that. The new COVID-19 boosters are available and they're finally hitting shelves in Pittsburgh and neighbors still anxious about this Irish Center redevelopment may have an unlikely hero. It's September 15th, the Friday News Roundup. I'm Megan Harris and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. I'm with CityCast producers Mallory Falk. Good morning. Good morning. And Sophia Lowe. Hey. Hi. The three of us, plus newsletter editor Francesca DeBecco, are meeting up later today for fancy coffees and bonding. What are Yin's most excited to discuss today? I am most excited to give some updates on my reality TV show binges. Right now I'm watching MILF Manor. I've been telling everyone about it, and you all will hear more about it today. This is I've never heard of this show, so bring it on. <laughs> so, Sophia, I am excited for your MILF Manor updates, but I'm actually excited to discuss your like journey through the Pittsburgh fall coffee scene. I know you've been trying the fall Same. flavors at many a Pittsburgh coffee shop. And so I really want your updates because now that the weather has turned, now that it, there's actually that crisp fall feeling in the air, I am ready to dive into those flavors. Yeah, maybe I'll get a fall coffee today. I'm not sure if they're out everywhere yet, but we'll see. I just plan on having you order for me, Sophie. I think you are the expert among the group now. <laughs> will do. I can do that. Megan, what are you wanting to discuss? I am excited to talk about our calendars. I know that's very boring, um, but I have an unfortunate amount of vacation time. I just realized um, that has to be burned between December 31st. I, If you anyone wants to bank vacation time at their company, I can't recommend parenthood enough. You never have time to take off. <laughs> I love how you're referring to vacation time as unfortunate, though. When <laughs> It's just like, you know how you wait too long and you're like, oh, no, I am quickly running out of time to take the time I want. And I believe strongly. you got to use it or lose it. Yeah. Yes. And never letting my time get taken from me. I want to take off. Um, and I know this team will let me. I just need to plan for it. And I'm not always amazing at that. Mallory's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Megan gets the regular pings from me like, please update your PTO requests. <laughs> ASAP. Thank you, smiley face. <laughs> so that's a reminder to all of our listeners. If you, like me, are looking at the calendar and forgot that you had that much time left, maybe do a little review for yourself. Uh, plan something for the fall. Um, let's jump into our stories today. Um, some good news for our trans neighbors. There's a fertility clinic focusing on trans patients that's supposed to open up real soon. Um, I have saw some reporting that said spring 2024. This website still says that they're planning on being up by end of 2023. So 
either way, um, looking real good here for Pittsburgh. It's a partnership between the Allegheny Reproductive Health Center, who I know we've talked to on this show before about abortion classes after Roe fell last year. Definitely check out that episode. Yep. Yep. And they're partnering with this L.A. company, Mate Fertility, which I was Googling around. They just finished up their seed funding in the spring, um, but it'll all be run by locals. Oh, wow. So what exactly does Mate Fertility do? Their whole thing is accessibility and making fertility treatment more attainable for folks. Um, So services here are going to include egg donation, sperm donation, surrogacy services, hormone therapy, and gender-affirming surgery. So great news for folks in our community. There are ways it sort of makes sense that this is coming to or happening in Pittsburgh. I remember we did an episode last year where we talked to someone from the Fertility Preservation Program at Children's Hospital Mm -hmm. who said, you know, and she was talking specifically about trying to preserve fertility for kids who have to undergo cancer treatment so that once they're adults, they have the ability to, you know, make their own reproductive choices. But she also talked about how trans folks have traveled to Pittsburgh for these same kind of services because It sounds like we're really on the cutting edge of things like preserving ovarian tissue and preserving testicular tissue. Um, And so, you know, some of these same procedures have been really helpful for trans patients from across the country. So it seems like a natural fit then to kind of expand the fertility options that are available in the city. Yeah. One statistic that I thought was really telling on their website um, is that even for cis hetero couples, that nearly 20 percent of the time making a baby takes more than two people. Um, But only two percent of the population seeking children ever actually looks for treatment, um, which I think is like a really important thing to keep in mind that, you know, it's hard. It can be hard for a lot of people. And this is something that you can get medical help with once it's available to you in your community. Mm -hmm. So does greater accessibility also mean lower cost at this new fertility clinic that's opening up? That's what they say. Dr. Sheila Ramgopal, who's going to lead the Pittsburgh Clinic, said that their services are going to cost a lot less, like half or even a third of the cost of other fertility care, which is wildly expensive if you're not familiar. Yep. Um, and the CEO of Mate Fertility at large, Tracy Keene, told the Philadelphia Gay News that um, Pittsburgh is considered like an underserved market or what they call, quote, a fertility desert. So broadly, a lot of this is about finding, recruiting and sustaining jobs for OBGYNs with these skills and the passions to work with folks in geographically diverse spaces like Pittsburgh that a lot of people are flocking to for services like these. So does this all relate to the city council bills that were passed earlier this week or is that just a coincidence? Yeah, the sanctuary city ones. Um, Fluke, I think. If you missed it, city council passed two ordinances that aim to protect gender-affirming care. They are modeled after what was passed to protect abortion care last year. Um, The first bill bars city employees from complying with any out-of-state investigations into healthcare providers who maybe do a gender-affirming procedures. The second bill will kick in only if the state of Pennsylvania ever passes any laws banning gender-affirming care. And there's this tool called the Trans Legislation Tracker that tracks bills all across the United States. And they've reported that there are three anti-trans bills that have been introduced in Pennsylvania, mm. and one of them is healthcare related. And that would give minors who have had gender affirming procedures more time to file cause of action, raising that age from 20 to 30. What does that mean, um, filing cause of action? I invite people to Google it, but I think cause of action means that like you abroad, global, you are the cause of any distress I might have felt. So that would give patients theoretically more time to decide that like 
maybe this wasn't the best course of action for me and you, the doctor or the medical system, are at fault for that. I don't think that that's a thing that's going to come up very much. Like there's a lot of scientific literature that shows people don't regret gender affirming care very often. It's an incredibly rare experience, but conservatives like to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, we there are all these stories kind of flying around that don't seem to have any evidence um, in them about people regretting this treatment. But those stories don't really seem to hold up to any scrutiny. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't mean to be a total killjoy, but I actually don't think that these city council bills mean anything. Um, like, I'm glad that they're saying we care, but I just I'm skeptical of what that actually means. Yeah, because I mean, I know, Megan, you've been covering this kind of stuff in Pittsburgh for like a decade now. Have you seen these kind of ordinances actually have a real world impact and actually protect folks? I mean, like, look at what the language of them. It bars city employees from complying with investigations. Like, what does that mean? That like a Pittsburgh police officer won't look up the home address of somebody when an out-of-state agency calls and says, hey, we're looking for so-and-so. If they don't tell you why and that officer hasn't gotten good emo- like good training to know that like, oh, we can't actually help you if it's for this charge or that one, like they may just look it up because a friendly agency in another state is like, oh, we're looking for so-and-so. Can you pop it in your system real quick? Like it just... It, it, a lot of things have to happen for something like that to be useful. And I guess I'm also wondering if something gets passed as a state law, can the city really disobey that? Can city employees disobey that? Well, a lot of it has to do with enforcement. Like it deprioritizes enforcement, which doesn't mean that it can't be enforced. It just means it's not a priority. We did the same thing with marijuana legislation some years ago, and people still got charged for having very, very, very small amounts of marijuana. I watched it happen in the street weeks after this legislation passed. It was a reggae band at Kaya Fest, of all things, and they got cuffed in front of everybody. Like, it's, it can work and it can be helpful, but it requires a lot of training on the part of city employees to make sure that they understand that they're not supposed to comply with this stuff. But then if there's ever any legal challenge, who knows if it actually holds up in court. What I'd rather see the city do is address some of the barriers to care that we already know exist. There are a lot of things that could be done from the Ganey administration's perspective to lobby foundations, to work with existing organizations that are doing the work on the ground and have been for years to work with housing, to find resources for folks, to make sure the transportation costs are covered, to cover food or to get vouchers for some of this stuff. The city could be doing that. And not just virtue signaling with these sanctuary city bills. Yeah, I know that Dina Stanley, the executive director of TransUniting Pittsburgh, talked to WESA and Public Source about how these bills don't address housing and that people could be coming from out of state to get gender affirming care. And Stanley told WESA that the city could support trans people with more housing and jobs. I know that the trans population is really disproportionately affected by homelessness. Yeah, Dina's wonderful. We've had her on the show before. Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art. Eat gourmet snacks, people watch. We'll mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone. 
everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. So uh, I know that COVID cases have generally been rising across the U.S., but the good news is that earlier this week, the FDA approved the new Moderna and Pfizer booster. Uh, there's another booster from Novavax that the FDA has under review, uh, but this means that COVID boosters are now available in pharmacies. Or they're on their way to pharmacies. I was just at my doctor yesterday. And they were like, yeah, we don't know yet. We don't know when we're going to get it. <laughs> yeah, I checked CVS this morning and it looks like they have appointments available. So definitely at least starting to roll in. That's awesome. And I know there was kind of some like back and forth initially about who the CDC was going to recommend boosters for, whether it was just like the most vulnerable, if it was for everybody. But it sounds like they are now recommending it broadly for anybody who's over six months old. Yeah, it sounds like that this booster is open to most of the population and these boosters should also provide protection for the latest COVID variants. I've heard about people kind of trying to strategize when the best time to get the booster is, like just get it as soon as it's available or hold off until Thanksgiving when you're going to be around a bunch of family and there might be a new <laughs> surge. Um, is there any like consensus on this about when is the best time to do it? Yeah, so some people should definitely get the booster as soon as possible. This includes people who are older than 65, anyone who is high risk for infection, and uh, pregnant people should also think about getting the booster sooner. Although, Megan, in the office the other day, you mentioned something I thought was really interesting about you actually, when you were pregnant, got different guidance related to booster timing. Yeah, I mean, I think it just had to do with a fluke of like when I was going to have my baby. But um, this was last year when the booster was rolling out then. Um, and they told me to wait until I was like 37, 38 weeks. Um, most pregnancies go to about 40 weeks um, because then it would have time to circulate through my system and give my child the most protection possible um, headed into birth. Now, my baby was very late, so he got bonus time, but... <laughs> I thought it was really interesting. And like this year, I asked about the COVID vaccine and they were like, oh, you got it then. He's probably been protected for the bulk of his life up to this point, Wow, which is great. Like I was so happy that they were able to provide some level of confidence. So, yeah, I think this is one where if you are pregnant and you're considering it, maybe, you know, check in with your doctor first totally. about the best timing. But so, OK, Sophia, you mentioned like these high risk categories. Um, what about, you know, other other people? Yeah. And I saw an article on NPR that answers a bunch of different questions about the booster. And there is some different advice on best timing for the booster if you're not high risk. To your point earlier, Mallory, uh, a professor at Weill Cornell Medicine, John Moore, said that it makes sense to wait toward Thanksgiving or the holidays since historically there have been surges around there. But like I mentioned, cases are also going up now. And Dr. Abrar Karan, an infectious disease fellow at Stanford, said that it's really hard to predict these surges. So if you wait, you could also end up being sick before your booster appointment. I thought I'd heard, too, that like you can't have it if you have gotten the last booster within two months. Is that still the recommendation? 
Yeah. So there are a couple situations where you would need to wait to get the booster. And one of those, Megan, is if you have gotten a COVID vaccine or booster within the past two months. Um, And some people say that you could even wait a couple more months uh, to get that booster. And another situation is if you've had COVID recently, the CDC recommends waiting three months to get the booster. But experts told NPR you could wait a little bit longer once again, but to still get that booster within four to six months. And I've also heard some experts say that you can try to sort of figure out the best timing, predict a surge, whatever. But like, there, there is a concern about if you try to time it too perfectly and something gets in the way that week, then you haven't gotten it. And it's just like when you are available, when you know you can do it, just go do it. Because the most important thing is actually getting the booster and having this protection and not trying to focus so much on some like magical window when when it's. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's been a pretty long time since that latest booster came out anyway. Yeah, it's been a year. Um, I think it's interesting, too. I saw, um, again, NPR, we're all NPR stands here, um, was talking about like just the risk. Like if you've had COVID more than once or you've had the boosters before, a lot of this can come down to like risk of long COVID symptoms and they still can't predict when people are going to get those. The booster helps with creating milder symptoms and things like that. But the risk for long COVID is still very much present and kind of unknown to our medical community so far. Um, So do you have to pay for the booster? So insurance should cover your booster. If you're not insured, you can go to www.vaccines.gov and find places where you can get vaccines under the Bridge Access Program, which uh, provides these COVID vaccines without any cost. And that should go until the end of 2024. Can y'all still find COVID tests out there? I had a lot of trouble the other day when I was looking for one before I went to do something. Used to, you could find them pretty much everywhere, but there was like one shelf that had them and it was a really expensive price. I was shocked. Yeah, in terms of getting free COVID tests, that's definitely really tricky right now. The National Institute of Health and the Administration for Strategic Preparedness and Response has a program called Test to Treat. Their website is testtotreat.org. And at one point, you could request six free COVID tests, but it looks like registration is paused for now. But there is still a spot where you can put your email down to get notified when that registration begins again. And Mask Up Pittsburgh is a local disabled-led group that distributes masks and rapid tests. They have also unfortunately tweeted that they're out of rapid tests, but they'll let people know once they've sourced more and you can find them on social media. So it seems like the answer is uh, maybe you can access free tests at some point in the future. TBD. So we're going to close out with an update on a story we've covered before. Uh, Last month, we did an episode all about the controversy around the future of the Irish Center, that like big vacant space next to Frick Park. A developer from Toronto wants to build a condo there, and some people are not happy about those plans. Have you all seen the signs in the neighborhood that folks have put up? They're really fun. Yeah, like the no frickin' way. Yeah, (laughs) it's got a lot of tiny type. It's kind of hard to see from the road if you're just driving by, but I love the creativity. It's a good spirit. Yeah, I have seen those popping up on quite a few lawns. Ryan Dito from The Trib came on the podcast to talk about uh, what he called the NIMBYs, the not in my backyards. Um, Although he pointed out, and I agree with him, I think there are a lot of people who live in the area with very legitimate concerns, um, but the word was funny. Yeah, the concerns range from everything from like increased traffic in the area to potential issues with water runoff and landslides. You know, this is right next to Frick Park and people are concerned it might sort of 
interfere with the overall park landscape. I would definitely recommend listening to that episode to learn more and to get Ryan's take on the whole thing. We will drop a link in our show notes. But the new development, the update, why we're talking about it today is that (laughs) there's actually a new proposal for the site. Phipps Conservatory wants to buy the Irish Center and use the space for a vegetable garden program. I am betting Phipps has a much better chance at approval than this developer ever did. Yeah, I mean, some of the groups that have been really opposed to the developer are already signing on in support of Phipps. Yeah, like Phipps is beloved here, especially in that part of the community. And, you know, I should say that basically Phipps is kind of saying if the developers get rejected, they've got this alternate plan. So right now the developers, Craft General, they're requesting some variances from the zoning board in order to build this condo, which would be eight stories um, and a bunch of parking spaces. These would be variances for things like height and building a multi-unit residence in a parks district, which currently isn't allowed. Um, And so Phipps is kind of saying like, all right, if, if those requests get rejected, we've got this other great plan that you could turn to. So then what does this FIPS plan include? What are the details of their proposal for this vegetable garden? Yeah, so they want to make the Irish Center site the headquarters for their homegrown program. Um, It's this program that puts raised bed gardens in people's backyards in pockets of the city that are considered food deserts or where people just don't have access to fresh and healthy food. I guess FIPS started this program back in 2013, and since then they've installed more than 300 gardens in neighborhoods like Homewood, Lincoln Lemington, Hazel Wood and some others. Um, so they yeah, want to kind of have it all launching from this old Irish Center site. So has Phipps communicated with the developers at all? Well, I do know Phipps sent a letter to the zoning board kind of making its case and saying like it wants to use the site for community and agricultural purposes, which is what this site is currently zoned for, um, and that they'd also plan to transform the empty building instead of tearing it down, which is what the developers plan to do. So kind of making their case for why this project might sort of fit more with the character of the neighborhood with current zoning ordinances than this development. I think it's hilarious the way this is playing out, like good for Phipps. It's just it's really smart move. So like if the board rejects the variance from these developers, then they've got this letter just hanging there like, hey, we we've got this great proposal. If you're not into that, you could look at us. Um, It doesn't have to go to the developers. Just show in our interest just in case. Yeah, exactly. It does seem a little bit intended to sway this board. So the board is expected to make a decision on these variance requests from the developers later this fall. Um, You know, I remember Ryan noted on the episode that like it is so common for developments to request variances. This isn't like an unprecedented thing that they're asking to be able to build something higher than what the current ordinance provides for. Um, So I guess we'll just see what happens and whether this alternate proposal uh, is convincing. Well, thank you, Mallory. Uh, DNs have weekend plans. Anything you're excited about? More reality TV. When I finish the MILF show, there's a DILF show. Oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> I I will be doing maybe the exact opposite of watching DILF, Dilf Manor. <laughs> it's for the love of DILFs, for anyone for who wants to look it up. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> So I will be um, doing something a touch more sacred. Not Well, I, d- I don't want to imply that for the love of Delphs is not a sacred way to spend your weekend, but um, I'll be observing Rosh Hashanah. So I want to uh, wish a Shana Tova, a happy new year to all my fellow Jews out there who are observing this weekend. 
Uh, and I am worshiping at the altar of another Pittsburgh tradition. Uh, the Steelers are playing on Monday night. Um, we were atrocious this past weekend against the 49ers. Um, now we're taking on Cleveland. I do not have high hopes. And I think the analysts agree with me. That's all you, Megan. If if the Steelers had done well, I was maybe going to be convinced. But uh... yeah, I definitely won't be watching. We each have our quarter. It's cool. <laughs> That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Our music is by Benji. Mallory Falk is our lead producer. Our audio producer is Sophia Lowe with special help this week from Noah Snyderman. Francesca DeBecco and Natalia Aldana wrote our newsletter for you. And I am your host, Megan Harris. We'll be back on Monday with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend, everyone. Ever since Naked Dating, I've just assumed anything goes on any network. It doesn't matter anymore. The rules don't matter.